So Hebrews chapter one, we're starting a new book today. I love it. Let's open the word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. And Lord, as we go to your word right now, we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. Lord, I love this book. It just talks about how much Jesus is better. And Lord, you are better. Lord, you are the best. No one compares. There's nothing beside you, next to you, against you. There's no other God before you. You are the great I am. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You're Almighty God. You're the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And Lord, as we go to your word right now, I pray that your word would come forth with power. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, I'm going to take about 10 minutes or so. Might go a little longer. That's pastor speak, right? 10 minutes at my 15, you know. But uh, I want to give you some background because we're going to spend the next three to four months in the book of Hebrews. And basically, when people ask me, what is Hebrews about? I tell them it's a book written by a Jew to the Jews to tell them to quit being Jews. <laughs> because the reality is the book of Hebrews is written in a time when the Christian church was still fairly young, 30 to 40 years old. And what was happening was there were, there were those who were saying, well, to be a Christian, you must also keep all the old covenant laws and all the old covenant, you know, all the old covenant feasts, and you need to be circumcised, and you need to, you need to still make the sacrifices, even in some cases. And so what they were doing is they're adding to the cross of Calvary in the name of religion. Does that sound familiar? Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Can I get an amen to that? When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished, paid in full. He didn't say there's a good start. Amen. He's not one of 12 steps. It's a one-step program. Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead. But what will happen, it still happens today, there will be those who want to add religious rituals to the cross of Calvary and make them necessary for salvation. And that's exactly what this letter is addressing, is the greatness of our Savior and how he alone is God. So it's written to Jewish believers Jews who had been born again through faith in Christ Jesus, while the Bible clearly teaches us that there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, barbarian or Scythian, in God's eyes only, there's only saved and unsaved. You're either born again or you're not. You're either a saint or an ain't. Can I get an amen? So you either know the Lord or you don't. And so there's no middle ground. You either have a relationship with God or you're an enemy of God. And the word of God is very clear on that. While our, our, our earthly heritage will indeed be irrelevant in heaven, it can still be a source of stumbling as long as we are here on earth. Uh, the church I pastored in Santa Cruz got quite large, and I remember there was one family specifically that he just figured he was saved because his grandparents were missionaries. But yeah, my grandparents were missionaries, so you know, God kind of owes our family. Uh, not so much. Can I get an amen? God has no grandchildren. You're not saved because mom and dad are saved either. Amen. And so there's a reality that we need to not rest on our heritage. And I know a lot of people do this too. Now, does God love the Jewish people? What's the answer? Yes. And God is not done with Israel. And I'm more pro-Israel than anybody on this planet because God's pro-Israel. Amen? And God still has a plan for the Jewish people and they are his chosen people. But right now, most of you know, we were meeting in a synagogue for quite a while and I had a lot of lunches with the rabbi and we love on them and we know God's not through with them. But right now, there are scales on their eyes. If they have not been born again, they're lost and they need to come to know Jesus. Amen. He is the Messiah they've been waiting for. I asked the rabbi, what happens when you die? And he said, well, some of us believe we just go into the ground. Some of us believe in reincarnation. What book are you reading? Where is that in the Old Testament? Can I get an amen? And so the reality is there's neither Jew nor Greek. And a lot of people want to, I have somebody who's trying for years, spending thousands of dollars, trying to find some uh, Jewish blood in her background because she wanted to be, you know, part of the chosen people. I said, We're, we are the chosen people. Can I get an amen? We're born again, new creations in Christ. And in God's eyes, there's no more Jew or Greek, although God still has a special plan for the children of Israel. And we have a passion to see them saved. Guys, those who were being outwardly persecuted by their own families, friends, and countrymen for becoming born-again Christians were struggling. So let me try to give you a picture of that, what was going on. So the temple was still having sacrifices. The temple was still in full operation. They would hear the shofar blow, and that was the place where they used to go and worship. 
and now they've given their life to Jesus Christ. And maybe their whole family has disowned them because they feel like he's not the true Messiah, and they, you walked away from your faith, and so now they're, they're torn. And that's where you see verses about we need to love God more than, more than our own families, amen? And he's saying, well, we gotta choose God over everything else. So you understand the tear there, and I would say it happens today. The church I pastored in Santa Cruz, about half of the church had come out of the Catholic church. And a lot of them would still go to mass at 7 a.m. and then come to our church because they were so ingrained that, that, well, but I got to still keep all the rites and the rituals or I won't go to heaven. And again, I believe within the Catholic church, there are people who are saved, but the Catholic church itself adds to the cross of Calvary and that's wrong. Can I get an amen to that? So it's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And in him alone, we must be saved. You do not have to have your first Holy Communion. You do not have to ha- be confirmed. You don't need a guy to come pray over you when you're, after you're dead. Can I get an amen to that? No, those are all things that are nowhere in Scripture. And it's not just the Catholic Church. There's many other places where we can get drawn back into you know, the rituals we grew up with. It becomes a way of life. And then you read the Bible and see it's nowhere in Scripture. And so we need to be careful. And that's exactly what was happening with these first century Jews. They were being drawn back to Judaism, all its feasts and traditions and rituals and sacrifices. I get asked this all the time. We're going to be joining One Love Church for a Passover Seder. And I love Passover Seders because it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus through the whole thing. Can I get an amen? But that being said, I have people say, well, we need to keep all the feasts, Pastor. Uh, No, we don't. We can, if you want to take, keep a feast so you can see Jesus in it, by all means do so. But we do not need to keep, are we dragging lambs? Anybody bring some lambs in here to sacrifice this morning? I didn't think so. Why? Because we don't, we're no, no longer under the old covenant. Now the old covenant was God's law prior to Jesus coming, but it was always pointing to Jesus. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Amen. He's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament feasts and all the Old Testament sacrifices, the the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin, but they knew that wouldn't be forgiven. It was always pushing the sin forward to the coming Messiah. Well, when Jesus came and he said, it is finished, the veil was torn. We can enter into the Holy of Holies. We have intimate fellowship with God and we're no longer under the old covenant. It's easy for us to fall into the trap of being moved by old ways or old traditions or by our feelings. And again, those traditions that have been around for thousands of years, and they were observed by many generations. And again, it causes people sometimes. I I was witnessing to a gal years ago, and she was fully convinced that Mormonism was wrong. And she said the hardest thing about praying to give her life to the Lord was recognizing that all of her family that were Mormons that had gone before her were not in heaven. And she said, it just breaks my heart to even think that. He said, part of me just wants to stay a Mormon because I just want to, well, this is where you have to separate from your family and make Jesus more important than even your family. Can I get an amen to that? So it breaks your heart. I get it. If you've come out of some of those traditions, you know what I'm talking about. You know, and it it was, if it was good enough, this is what I heard someone say to me too. Well, it was good enough for Daniel, old covenant. It was good enough for Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel. Samuel, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Malachi, all the way through for them. And you know why? Because that was God's law at the time. Amen. And the reason all of it was always pointing to one who was coming. Everything was a foreshadow of the one who was coming. The old covenant is the foreshadowing of Jesus. Guys, we don't go back to the shadow. We have it in 3D in Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death, and we don't want to wander back to the old ways. So the writer of Hebrews grabs him by the hand and says, come walk with me through the word to understand the truth. And so too today, people coming out of cults and false religions have to come, to, have come out to be saved from works-based religion to a grace-based relationship. Guys, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. I love what the word religion means in the original language. It's relingara, which means to relink. It's relinking sinful man back to holy God. So that's a wonderful thing. But when you think of the word religion, what do you think of? You think of black robes and, you know, willbarrowful rules with heaven at the end. You think of a bunch of dogma that's 
place on your head, all this stuff. And it's all these do this, do this, do this, a bunch of works and a bunch, you know, oh, oh, you know, walking around and, and just, you know, slapping yourself with a board every three feet to prove you love God. But I'm going to have heaven at the end. Can I tell you something? When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you have eternal life right now. Amen. And we have, we have love and joy and peace and kindness. All the fruits of the Holy Spirit become evident immediately. Guys, we don't re- need religion. We need to have a relationship with the Lord. See, the Jews in that day looked at Christians as traitors. Saul of Tarsus was the Jew of all Jews. And what was he doing? He was hunting down Christians. And Christians were being turned over by the Jews to the Romans. And they were being fed to lions. They're being covered in pitch and set on fire. So guys, there's a clear division between the Jewish people who had rejected the Messiah and the Jewish people who, by the way, this is a Jewish book written by Jewish believers. Can I get an amen? About a Jewish savior. Can I get an amen to that? When I meet people, I'm a Jew. I I teach about a Jew every Sunday. Can I get an amen? It's a Jewish book and praise God for it. And all the first century church, much of it were Jewish believers. And so praise God. So we're differentiating between those who had given their lives to the Lord and those who had rejected him. Everything that happens in the word of God clearly addresses these things that people stumble over. Everything would be all right if you would just leave grace and come back to, this is what you hear from the world. Every other faith is based on your good works. Islam is based on your good works. By the way, Muhammad's not better. He's worse. Can I get an amen? Muhammad is a dead prophet. We can dig up his bones. Jesus Christ is a risen and living savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Amen. Joseph Smith is a false prophet of the Mormon church. He taught a false gospel. He said that an angel appeared unto him. It's amazing how the word of God tells us if anybody comes, even an angel preaching another gospel, what are they? They're accursed. Amen. So guys, when people come to us and give us a bunch of rules that we must keep so that we can be saved, what we're doing is we're spitting on the cross of Calvary. We're shaking our fist at almighty God because he said, paid in full, it is finished. Guys, let's not turn back to the world. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus, amen? So the author of this letter, people don't know for sure. I believe it's the apostle Paul. But whoever wrote it, some say Paul, some say Barnabas, some say Luke or another. But whoever penned it, It's anonymous. We don't see it here, but ultimately it doesn't matter because God wrote it. Can I get an amen? And that's true of every book in the Bible. 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. That's only possible because God wrote it. We're going to get a little more in depth on that in just a moment. So like so many today who have not fully grasped the grace of God, there's a temptation to return to the workspace salvation and traditions that they were raised with and their families continue to walk in. Satan will often use family bonds as a method of keeping men from turning to the truth. Again, that draw back to, to what our family does, the family traditions. I'm going to have to miss out on all of it if I give my life to the Lord. God's word tells us we must love the Lord more than our families, more than our traditions. And again, it's so easy for each of us to put our faith in a strong foundation of family when our foundation needs to be Christ. Amen. So returning to that shadow, going back to those old things, that's what's going on. That's who this letter is being written to. It's if works could save us, laws, feasts, and traditions, then why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Amen. If the old covenant could do it, then why did Jesus have to die on the cross? If keeping all these feasts and all these rituals would do it, if doing good works would save me, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? So that early church, the temptation existed each time they heard that trumpet, the shofar blow, and everybody was gathering at the temple to run back. And guys, may we not run back to what's behind us, but press on in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. She reminded them of their heritage and their history. They found themselves again drawn back. We don't need to be confirmed. We need to be born again. Can I get an amen? We don't need to be confirmed by men, but born again and have a relationship with the Lord. So the feast and sacrifice continued. And they were told, we don't need to do that anymore. So the focus of this entire book is to reemphasize to Jewish believers the preeminence of Jesus Christ, relationship over religion, the word of God over the traditions of men and the free gift of grace over works-based salvation. 
religion, rituals, and traditions of men handed down by their fathers. They were raised with them. It impacted everything. When they became Christians, they dressed different. No longer wearing the black robe, you know, and the hats and the, you know, the curly hair. They don't need that anymore. Can I get an amen? So they changed their behavior. They changed how they worshiped. They changed what they studied. They changed who they hung out with. They changed where they fellowshiped. It all changed. And guys, when you give your life to Jesus, it ought to all change. Amen? We're new creations in Christ. Their prayers changed. Their diet changed. They could have bacon now. <laughs> right, Irfan? Wherever you are, bro. They t- I won't do it. I won't do it, Irfan. I love you too much. I won't do it. Changed their behavior. Changed everything about them. And that's what Hebrews is focused on. Grab your outline. So I want to say this. 12 times. Here's the word that's in here. 12 times in Hebrews. Better. Better. You know, I say heaven is better all the time, right? Well, you know why heaven is better? Because Jesus is better. Can I get an amen? He's better. 12 times in these 13 chapters, we're going to see that Jesus is better. He's a better sacrifice. He's a better prophet. He's a better high priest. And he's a better king. The theme of the book is the superiority of Christ. Again, they're talking to the Jews who are struggling and being some of them to go drawn back to the old covenant and letting them know that Jesus is the one they've been waiting for. First, we're going to see in the first four chapters, the superiority of his person, the majesty of Christ. Heaven's better because Jesus is better and Jesus is there. Amen. We're going to see the superiority of his work. We're going to go from the majesty of Christ to the ministry of Christ. And then finally, finally, the superiority of the Christian walk ministers for Christ. Every one of Paul's letters, and that's why one of the many reasons I believe Paul wrote this, it always begins with what we believe, and then in light of that, how do we behave? So when you read the beginning of Ephesians or Galatians or Philippians, what do we believe? And then he ends with how do we behave? So this letter does the same. Here's what we believe. Here's what we know about Jesus Christ. We get to the end of the book. It's going to exhort us in light of who Jesus is, how we are to behave. So Jesus is better. He's better than the temple and his temporary sacrifices. He paid the price for us once and for all. Jesus is better than the prophets. He's the one they all pointed to. Jesus is better than the angels. The angels worship him. The Bible even says when we get to heaven, we will be greater than the angels. Don't worship angels, worship Jesus. Amen? He's better than Moses. That's saying something to the Jews. They love Moses. We love Moses. Praise God for Moses. Can I get an amen? But Moses was not even allowed to enter the land of promise because he smote the rock when he was supposed to speak to it. And he was used mightily by God, but he was a sinner in need of a savior, just like the rest of us. Amen? So he's better than Moses. By the way, Jesus created Moses. Amen? He's better than Aaron, the great high priest of the, of the Jewish faith. Uh, again, used mildly by the Lord, but also he was kind of a train wreck at times. Can I get an amen to that? Moses goes up on the mountain, not for 40 years or 40 months or 40 weeks, but 40 days. And he comes down and Aaron, the high priest, Moses's brother, who saw all of the miracles that were done in Egypt and all the plagues that came on and walked through the Red Sea not that long ago. And he gathers up all the gold and tells his brother this golden calf just popped out. (laughs) Jesus is way greater greater than Aaron. Can I get an amen? He's greater than Aaron. He's greater than the law. The law is a taskmaster that leads us to the cross. It only reveals our sin. It can't redeem us from it. Guys, Jesus is better. Amen? Jesus is better better. Don't run from him, but run to him. Don't let religion, rituals, or man-made traditions keep you from him. Again, security in anything other than Christ will easily be lost. Here's the key. We need to have intimate fellowship with Jesus. Amen? If you want to define your relationship with God, with the Lord, how intimate is your fellowship with Jesus? That's what the Christian walk is all about. When you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things are added unto you. See, when Jesus is the priority and the passion of your life, everything else will fall into place. Amen? When you spend time in prayer, you spend time seeking his face, you walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it will change everything about your life. There's only one source of true security. You know, praise God for those of you who are getting the vaccines, and if that's going to help you, God bless you, that's great. And praise God for that. Guess what? Our security is in Christ. Can I get an amen? 
Nothing wrong with it. That's fine. And half the church is like mad at me because I said vaccines are good. The other half is happy with me. And I don't know if they're good or not and whatever. Can I get an amen? We're not going to divide over that. Can I get an amen? Anti-vaccine. You no, know, no. You're going to get an email. Don't email me with that. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I still want to hear it. Romans reveals the necessity of the Christian faith. And Hebrews reveals the superiority of the Christian faith. Romans talks about the necessity of the Christian faith, faith, and Hebrews talks about how it's better. So down there at the bottom, this is the outline for this morning. We're only going to look at three verses. There's a lot in there. I tell the message, Jesus is greater than you think. Can I get an amen to that? When we get to heaven, you've heard me say it, we are going to be blown away. Can I get an amen? I had two, we had, I had two calls this week of people that have passed away. One gal that used to attend here for years, her husband Steve called me. I'm going to be doing her funeral in a few weeks. Pray for Steve that he'd be comforted. But I kept reminding him, heaven is better. Amen? That she closed her eyes on earth and she opened them up in glory. My boss at work, he called me in tears with his whole family because his dad passed away and he just wanted me to pray for them over the phone. And I prayed for them over the phone. And guys, for believers, death has no sting. Amen? We don't die. We move to a much better neighborhood. Amen? We close our eyes on earth. We open them up in glory. And guys, it doesn't get any better. My mom, as you guys know, is seven, seven and a half years into Alzheimer's. I just got to see her last week. She can't talk anymore. She's not in pain, thankfully. I pray every day, Lord, heaven's better. It's okay if she goes now. I, I go see her, and I, I love to hug her. And, but, but you know what? That's selfish of me. Heaven's better. Can I get an Amen? And Jesus is better than we think. And I cannot wait. You're going to see him face to face. Amen? And praise God for that. So we're going to see that Jesus in verses 1, for the first half of verse 2, is greater than the prophets. And then we're going to see a sevenfold description in verse, a second half of verse 2 and verse 3 of our glorious Savior. First of all, he's heir of all things. He's the creator of all things. We'll talk about the brightness of his glory the express image of his glory. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He himself purged our sins. By himself purged our sins. Jesus blessed nothing equals salvation. And finally, he is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. So let's begin there in verse one, looking at Jesus is greater than you think. Now, I want to tell you this. That book in your hand is the very word of God. And I want to encourage you, if you're struggling in your walk, you're not in the word enough. Can I get an amen? Can I get another amen to that? If you're struggling in your walk, you're not in the word of God enough. If you're struggling in your faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by, we need to be in the word of God. 68 times in this letter, one of the most, most uh, prolific in the Bible, it mentions God who at various times and various ways spoke in times past. God did indeed speak in times past in many ways. In Psalm 19, it says creation reveals his glory. Everyone is accountable to almighty God just by looking at creation. Can I get an amen? Enoch walked with God and the Bible had never been written. Genesis wasn't written yet. And he had a relationship with God because the heavens reveal his glory. Amen? And all of that points to the Lord. Romans 1 makes it clear that only creation around, but the conscience within. Some of you will disagree with me on this, and it's okay, you're wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> but here's the reality. The Holy Spirit is your conscience. He's with the world even before they're saved, because there's nothing good in us, so we don't make good decisions apart from the influence of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? So he's with the world. That's why even the most ungodly person knows that, oh, harming a child is wrong or certain things that they know are, are wrong. Well, they only know that because of the Holy Spirit. So creation on the outside and the conviction of the Holy Spirit on the inside are two things that prove, even to someone who's never picked up a Bible yet, that there is a God that we are accountable. So he is the invisible God. He is the one who's over all creation, and he is the one who's been revealed by creation. So let's begin there in verse 1, and it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by 
the prophets. Now, this is a reference to the, 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 to the Jews' ancestors. And they said, you know, in times past, God spoke to us by the prophets. He used the prophets to deliver the truth to us. And it's what's amazing is God spoke to them in various ways. How did he speak to Moses? How did he get Moses' attention? Who remembers? Burning bush. Elijah, still small voice. Isaiah, heavenly vision. Hosea, by a family crisis. Amos, by a basket of fruit. God uses different ways to speak to people in those days. And he did it different ways every time because if he always did it in a burning bush, there'd be people going home from church and lighting bushes on fire in their backyard hoping to hear from God. Can I get an amen? So he spoke in different ways at different times so that we wouldn't worship the method, but the messenger. Can I get an amen? Even when he heals people, you know, he heals them sometimes, the blind man, by putting, you know, mud in their eyes. Other times go wash in the, the river. And he always did it different because he didn't want us following after the method, but again, seeking after the messenger. He spoke in various ways through the prophets. He used parables. He used uh, prophetic confrontation where prophets would come and speak to them. Psalms, Proverbs, sometimes dramatic presentations took place. And the prophet is the one who speaks forth for God. Now, prophecy, a lot of times you hear prophecy, you think it's just foretelling. Like somebody comes to you and tells you something that's gonna happen in the future. And that certainly can happen and does happen. It has happened in my life. But most of the time, prophecy is foretelling. For, not foretelling is proclaiming something in the future. Foretelling, uh, foretelling is just proclaiming the truth. So every time you open the Bible and you preach it, that's, pro- that's prophecy. Can I get an amen? It's a prophetic word going forth, and it goes forth with power. So the Old Testament prophets, again, are the ones that God spoke through. It includes Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Zephaniah, Haggai, right? All of them, all the way to Malachi. And the writer of the Hebrews is authenticating that the Old Testament is God's word. He said in past times, they spoke through the prophets. Now, when you meet a Mormon, they'll say, well, well, we have another Testament, but you had another Testament. So how do we know we didn't get another Testament after the New Testament? Well, because the Old Testament is always pointing to Jesus and the New Testament points to Jesus. He finishes it and it never speaks of any more revelation needed after that. Can I get an amen? So that's why when they come to your door, well, you, well, you guys added to the, you should be Jews then. The first, that's the first book. But that first book was always pointing to the one who was coming and Jesus is the fulfillment. So while God is revealing himself to, through creation, through conviction, through the prophets, and through the word of God that is in our hands, yet the message was still incomplete. There was still something. I'm talking about through the Old Covenant, through the Old Testament. There was still something that was missing, and the prophets were the vessels that God spoke through. He would send one whose every word, every action, er, even his personality was a revelation from the Father, and everything he did was prophetic, and his name is Jesus. Amen. So Jesus is the one we've been waiting for. Every sacrifice, why do they bring the firstborn spotless lamb to sacrifice? Because Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Why was the blood of the lamb at Passover put in the shape of a cross for the angel of death to pass over, for them to be delivered out of bondage? Because it was all pointing to Jesus Christ, amen? As we go through the Old Testament, I will, I will challenge any one of you here, I'll buy you lunch if you can prove me wrong. Show me a chapter in the Old Testament. I'll show you Jesus in it because he's in all of them. Can I get an amen? So history is his story. The Old Testament all points to Jesus. He's the answer. He's the one we've been waiting for. And God at various times and various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets. Now look what it says here. Verse two, has in the last days spoken to us by, what does that say? His son. How do we know we're in the last days? You've been hearing that? I, I kind of miss the Maranatha and hallelujah, you know, amen. Maranatha, he's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? In the 70s, man, we were all about that. Can I get an amen? And now it's kind of died down. Guess what? We're closer now than we were in the 70s. <laughs> we're 50 years closer. We ought to be a little more excited. Can I get an amen? But notice what it says there. The last days began when Jesus arrived. We've been in the last days since Jesus came. 
And then people will say, well, that's a long time. That was 2,000 years ago. That seems a long time for last days, unless you read the Bible. The Bible says a day is to 1,000 years as 1,000 years is to a day. It's been two days. Can I get an amen? And it says last day, so it had to be at least two. We got it covered. Can I get an amen? He can come now. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So the last days are the Messiah age, entered into with Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our God and King, left heaven and came to earth to reveal the heart of the Father to us. And Jesus said, you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Boy, I love that. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. You want to know the character of God? Look at Jesus. You want to see the love of God? Look at Jesus. You want to see the grace of God? Look at Jesus. You want to see the righteous judgment of God? Look at Jesus. Amen. The greatest revelation of God to sinful man. Again, creation above, conviction around, prophets among, word given to us, but again, the ultimate picture comes in Jesus. Jesus is a prism that collects all those uh, bands of light and focuses them into one pure beam. It's all the Lord. All the things in the Old Testament, all those old covenants, all those things were pointing to the one who was coming. Jesus fulfilled it all. He is the fulfillment. He is the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. His love, his character, his holiness, his grace. So it says, spoken to us by his son. Is it so much that Jesus brought a message from the Father, but he is the message? Amen? Jesus is the message. He was sent by the Father. Jesus is the word made flesh. Every word, every action, a reflection of the Father. If man cannot learn about God from the Son, no amount of prophetic voices or actions would ever convince them. Guys, if Jesus, can't, if Jesus alone doesn't open your eyes, nothing will. Jesus fulfilled all the prophets, and he's greater than the law and the prophets. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? You guys remember this? Jesus takes his, you know, Peter, James, and John. Those are always the ones he brings with him. His inner circle, if you will. He goes up on the mount, they fall asleep, and he's transfigured into his glorious heavenly body. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah are there. Now in scripture, Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents the prophets. And when Peter awoke, what did he say? Oh, let's make three temples, one for each one of you. Let's put Jesus on the same level as the law and the prophets. And, you know, sometimes Peter, one thing about Peter, God bless Peter, Mr. Ready, Fire, Aim, Peter, amen. <laughs> Mr. Lop Off Ears, Peter. Mr. Say, I will never deny you and then denied him, Peter. But then became a mighty man of God when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But Peter is, is the guy that I, at least twice in the Bible, God tells him to shut up. <laughs> Audibly from heaven. Hey, Pete, shut up. He literally, hey, can we just, we'll put you all in the same, stop, Peter, stop, be quiet. Shutty town, can I get an amen? <laughs> he shuts Peter up, why? Because the law and the prophets are not equal with Jesus. They point to Jesus, amen? Praise God for the law, praise God for the prophets, but it all points to Jesus. And the law and the prophets without Jesus would be meaningless. Can I get an Amen. It's always pointing to him. He's the answer we've been waiting for. Jesus is better. Amen? Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. He's far greater. He's far more glorious. Praise God for his grace. He is the son of God, the one and only, and now the sevenfold description of his glorious son. So point number one, Jesus is greater than the prophets. And now we're going to look at the seven things that are revealed in the, these next verse and a half that point to who Jesus is, the sevenfold description of our Savior. We don't have our a video monitor. I'm looking forward to getting back you know, in a, in a, inside and being able to have monitors and things like that for worship. But you guys have heard me, you know, that's my king, right? We've played that a lot here. And by Dr. Lockridge, that's my, I wish I could describe him to you, right? And he gives you a hundred things about Jesus. And you know what? We could sit here until the Lord comes back and we could not exhaust all the greatness of our Savior. Can I get an amen? But we're going to get a glimpse at seven right now in just this verse and a half, a sevenfold description of our glorious Savior. It says, whom he has appointed heir of all things. He, the he there is God the Father, and Jesus is the one, as his son, is the heir of all things. Jesus created all things, and all things were made by him and for him. So Jesus spoke the world into existence, 
and then he came to earth. People get a headache. If you, the Mormons will teach that Jesus and Satan are brothers, and then Jesus got to become the God of our planet and, and if, uh, the Savior of our planet. And, and our, our, our God, you know, Jehovah, is, was a man on another planet who did a good, good job, so he got to be the God on our planet. And now if you're a good person, you get to be God on your own planet. That sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, you're going to be God. You know what? That's the same thing that that's Lucifer thought. Can I get an amen? He wanted to be like the Most High. See, here's what happens. When we're illiterate to what the Bible teaches, when we don't understand what other people teach, I have a customer who's a Mormon. He gets mad at me every time I see him now. I don't understand why you don't just accept that we're Christians. I said, well, I would, but you're not. <laughs> yes, we are. We even have, we have Jesus in our name. And? But you don't have him in your heart. And you don't believe that he's the only true and living God. And you don't believe he's the Alpha and the Omega. And you don't believe he's the creator of all things. And you believe, and you, believe you can become greater than him. That's blasphemy. Can I get an amen to that? Guys, when we recognize the greatness of our Savior, everything else pales in comparison. Guys, we don't want religion. We want Jesus. Amen? We want to have a relationship with Jesus. Is he your best friend? As I used to say to my youth group, are you married to Jesus? We're the bride of Christ. And his... Love should be flowing out of us as well as his grace. He made all things. It says there, heir of all things, through him also. He made all the worlds. He made the worlds. He spoke the world into existence. Guys, when you recognize the one who's praying for you and seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf, is the one who said, light is and light was, doesn't it make your problem seem kind of small compared to the God you're praying to? Guys, when we pray, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what we do when we begin our prayer? We should begin all prayer with praising God for who he is, because once we remember how great he is, the problems we're bringing to him are not that great. Amen? Your problems are only great if your God is small. We don't serve a small God. We serve a great God. Can I get an amen? He's greater than the coronavirus. Amen? Coronavirus is not a point of son to death. We could die from it, but you know, can't threaten me with it. Heaven's better. Can I get an amen? Be careful if you've got, you know, if you're susceptible, let's use wisdom. I get all that. That's why we have live stream. But that being said, the church should not stop being the church because of the COVID virus. Amen. What's happened in 2020 didn't change the church. It just revealed where the church is. And Jesus needs to be the priority and the passion of our lives above all things. Nothing was made apart from him. Nothing. I used to say to, I, you know, I played football in college, and I, most of the guys on my team were knuckleheads and didn't believe in God. And I had an anatomy class, and I would just say, you're standing there in front of a cadaver like, okay, so lightning hit a puddle, and then this happened? You buying that? Can I get an amen? It went from the goo to the zoo to this? I don't think so. Amen. <laughs> You look at the human eye, you look at the human ear, you look at anything about humanity, and it blows you away. Isn't it amazing? Think about the distance between the earth and the sun. If, we're, if we move 1% away, we freeze to death. If we move 1% closer, we all burn up. But look at the atmosphere that we live in. Look at the way the plants put out what we breathe in. Tell me God's not in, in charge. Can I get an amen to that? And creation reveals his glory. He is the heir of all things. He's the creator of, of all things. Muhammad created nothing. Buddha created nothing. Amen? Hare Krishna created nothing. Joseph Smith created nothing. Charles Taze Russell, uh, religious science, created nothing. They all created nothing. We don't serve a created, we serve the creator. And when they say that Jesus is a created being and he's not the creator, that is blasphemy. Amen? You know what's amazing to me? In Matthew 13, Jesus relates a parable about a man who worked through a walked through a field and found a treasure and then went back and bought the field in order just for that one treasure that was on the field. And you know, Jesus bought the world with his own blood, not because he wanted the world, but because he wanted the treasure in the world. And what is that treasure? It's us. You are the pearl of great price. You are his treasured possession. Jesus didn't come because he could speak another world into existence like that, couldn't he? Can I get an amen to that? He could just do it and make another one, a better one. Can I get an amen? But he didn't do that. He came and endured what he endured, and he suffered the torment and the pain, and he, and he endured the infliction that came by his stripes we were healed. All that he endured, he endured because he loves you. 
He hung on that cross when he could have got down at any time. He could have turned the people that were blaspheming and mocking him into a pile of rocks and he endured it. Why? Because he loves you. The next time when you think you're of no value, just remember that your value is determined by what someone's willing to pay and what someone's willing to pay for you as Jesus was willing to suffer and die in your place that you might have eternal life. You are so valuable to almighty God. Amen. He loves you so much. He'd rather die than live without you. Where is inheritance? He's the heir of all things. You think he wants this? Now, again, it was funny. I was, I was uh, in a shop yesterday, and this guy came up to me that I've gotten to know a little bit, and I had my Jesus' Essential shirt on, and he started saying, to asking me, he goes, oh, I heard you had COVID. How are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. I'm a good doctor. Can I come in? And a good, and a good God. So, but I've got to pass COVID. Praise the Lord. But here's the reality. He started saying to me, so you're feeling healthy. I said, yeah, I feel great. He goes, man, I'd like to live to be like 500. I said, Really? I said, well, actually you can. You can be here for a thousand years. It's called the millennial kingdom, but that's only after you give your life to Jesus Christ, you die, you go to heaven or you're raptured. Then you get to come back with a different body where there's no more pain, sorrow, suffering, or death. And we get to see what the world will be like with Jesus Christ on the throne. Can I get an amen to that? And we are going to live here a lot longer than that. He was like, wow, how does, I mean, that, um, okay. Uh. <laughs> I go, more push-ups and eating, you know, kale ain't going to get it, bro. You need Jesus. Amen? Because he will. You can rule and reign with him for a thousand years. He's the heir of all things. Jesus is the heir of all. He inherits us. That's what he wants to inherit is you. What a great God we serve. It just blows me away. Brings me to tears sometimes when I think about this. He made the worlds. He's the one who created all things. He is the creator, the only creator. No other creators but him. Number three, He is the brightness of his glory. Look what it says there in verse three. Who being the brightness of his glory. The word brightness there speaks of a reflection. Jesus perfectly reflects the majesty of almighty God. He is the radiance that shines forth from the source of light. Jesus is all the light we need. When we get to heaven, there's not gonna be an S-U-N because the S-O-N is going to illuminate heaven. Can I get an amen to that? And what does the moon do? The moon has no light source. It simply reflects the sun. If the sun was not here, the moon would not shine. And so the same is true for us. You know, I, have a, I used to have a t-shirt that said, be the moon. And we're called to be the moon, reflect the S-O-N to a lost and a dying world. Amen? The brightness of his glory being reflected off of us to a world around us. You and I can radiate his light we can't radiate his light, but we can reflect it. We don't, you know, we're not the ones that uh, are the, the source, but we're the ones that can reflect the one who is the source, and the source is Jesus Christ. Now, remember, he's saying all this to Jewish believers who are being tempted to run back to Judaism and to, well, maybe I'll, I'll still be a Christian, but I want to do the sacrifices. I want to keep the feast. I want, just in case, I want to hang on to both. And he's letting them know, no, Jesus alone is enough. Amen? We don't need all those other things that pointed to the Lord. They're a good reference that they pointed to the Lord, but they're not the source of our salvation. Jesus Christ alone is. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that, 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 that the gospel's simple? Aren't you glad there aren't 5,000 paths? And you try to figure out which one you're on. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He's the only way. He's the only truth. He's our only hope. Look, other churches do things other ways. People say, well, we just teach the Bible for an hour every Sunday. Yeah. And you know what? We should probably do two. Can I get an amen? Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's other things in our lives that are important, but not on Sunday morning. Amen? Look, no offense to anybody else. I'm not going to have any politicians up here on a Sunday morning. That will never happen in the history of this church. Ain't happening, ain't happening, ain't happening. (laughs) Why? Our hope is in the throne of grace, not the White House. Can I get an amen? Should we vote biblically? What's the answer? Absolutely. Pro-life, pro-God, pro-Israel. Can I get an amen to that? We should do all those things. But guys, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's on the throne no matter who's in the White House. God's still God, and they can't vote him out of office. Can I get an amen to that? And that's why this Bible right here, I want, I, my heart is that you would know it so well, that you would know the truth so well, that you'll never be tempted by the lie. Can I get an amen? 
And, we, and, and to know him better is to love him more. And the more time you spend in his word, the better you're going to know him. And the better you know him is the more you're going to love him. And if Monday doesn't change, Sunday doesn't count. Can I get an amen? When we're here and we study God's word, we ought to live different the next day. It ought to change our behavior. It ought to change everything about us. Jesus is the brightness. He's reflecting the person of almighty God. Look what it says here. He is the express image of his glory. Point number four there. It says, and the express image of his person. The word that is used there in the Hebrew is a method used to imprint coins in biblical times. When they made coins, they used that word, that, the word for image there, the express image. And so what they would do is they would stamp coins so that they all looked exactly the same. And it's saying that Jesus is that expressed image of God the Father. He's, he's God the Father in human flesh. Amen? There's three persons, but there's one God. Can I get an amen? And so when you look at Jesus, you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you get to know Jesus, you know the Father. The, the two coins, uh, you could take them, you can't even tell them apart. You can grab two quarters, you mix them up, you don't know the dates on them, you're not going to be able to tell the difference because they're exactly the same. And the same is true with Jesus. And here's the reality. Here's the challenge for us. Jesus is the expression, you know, he is the uh, expression, the exact expression of the Father. And we're called to be a reflection of him. When people see you, do they see Jesus? Now, we're never going to be a perfect reflection because we're all sinners saved by grace. Amen but we are to reflect him to a lost and a dying world. People should see enough Jesus in us that they want to know what's different. Why are you responding different than the rest of the world? By the way, if you don't know God, you should be panicked right now about COVID and anything else. Because guess what? You have no promise of eternal life. And what you, what's, what's in front of you is eternal separation from God in a place of torment. And if you don't know the Lord, you should be afraid. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Can I get an amen to that? Why? Because we know the Lord. We know where we're headed. We have the promise of eternal life. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the exact expression of the Father, the precise reproduction in every respect. Again, Philip said to to Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said to Philip, you have seen me. You've seen the Father. The prophets were mighty men of God. None of them in the express image of Almighty God. And again, neither are any of the false prophets today. So when we look at Jesus' character, we see in him the love of the Father. We see the mercy of the Father. We see the grace of the Father. We see the, the righteous judgment of the Father. Those who the Lord loves, he disciplines. Can I get an amen to that? Praise God for his discipline. Praise God for the Holy Spirit who brings conviction And so Jesus is the expression of the Father, and people look at things, and here's the reality. Have you ever noticed how Jesus responded to every repentant sinner in the Bible? What's the answer? How did he respond every time? With grace. Every time. Woman caught in adultery falls at his feet. It's always amazing to me the woman was caught in adultery. Where's the dude? Can I get an amen to that? She wasn't by herself. It's amazing how they drag her up there, but she's caught in adultery, and she repents. And he said, you know, they're picking up rocks. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Woman, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. He showed her grace, but he also exhorted her to live holy. Amen? But he showed her grace. Now, who, when do we see Jesus getting angry in the Bible? Who's he dealing with? Religious leaders. The Pharisees. The people that turned his father's house into a den of thieves. He, got, he made a whip and drove him out of there. And people say, it's not fair to say that he whipped people. I'm thinking he had a good aim. Can I get an amen? <laughs> the reality is that he drove him out. What did he call the Pharisees? He called them a brood of vipers, a bunch of snakes. He said they were whited sepulchers. That on the outside, they looked really good, but they were filled with dead men's bones. Where does Jesus get angry? He gets angry with the self-righteous and religious, and he shows grace to those who are broken and repentant. Amen. And the people that are self-righteous think they're more spiritually mature often. Again, when you're a pastor, you get a lot of emails, you get a lot of stuff on your Facebook and all this stuff. And one guy said to me, I I saw one of your videos and you teach out of the New King James. I thought you were saved. (laughs) Okay, that's a discussion we're going to have right now, I guess. 
So did the old King James die on the cross for you or did, did Jesus do that? I'm just wondering. Can I get an amen? And again, if you love the old King James, God bless you. And I will say this, I like word for word translations, just in case you don't know. New King James, King James, and NASB are all word for word translations. All others, for the most part, are thought for thought translations, which means you cannot do a word study with an NIV, the nearly inspired version. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but here's what I will say is the best Bible for you is the one you'll read. My wife got saved reading The Way. You guys remember those? Remember that? It's a commentary on the Bible. It said the way on the front, had all these hippies' pictures on it. You guys remember that Bible? And somebody at work gave her one and she read it. So the best Bible for you is the one you'll read. Can I get an amen to that? Now, I wouldn't encourage you to teach a word study through it. Can I get an amen? You might want to pick, but here's the reality. Again, so pharisaical. Yeah, I noticed you weren't wearing a suit and tie. You didn't teach out of it. I said, did Jesus wear a suit and tie? I'm just curious. Did he? Amen. It's just tragic that when we are more, mine looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. Can I get an amen to that? Our church here and in, in Santa Cruz, we had people walking in. They're just out of the surf, dude. They're, they're barefoot. They're dripping with water. Their hair's just, you know, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm glad you're at church. Can I get an amen? I don't care what you wear. Just wear something. Can I get an amen? <laughs> just wear something. That would be good. But the Lord is the express image of his glory. I love it. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Nobody else compares. By the way, I don't say God a lot when I talk to people. I say Jesus. It's just a CD. They don't, they don't break. I say Jesus. Why? Because God can be anybody. Can I get an amen? People use that term a lot. I believe in God. Well, the demons believe and tremble. Can I get an amen? Where are you at with Jesus. Amen. I had to go to some Al-Anon meetings when some of my sons were struggling and they talk about their God, the God of our own, you know, our higher power. My higher power is a doorknob. Well, that's just plain stupid. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and I bring up Jesus in every meeting. Oh, you can't do that here. Uh, stop me. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm bigger than all of you. But here's the reality. <laughs> but the reality is that Jesus is the only answer for everything. Can I get an Amen. If your marriage is a mess, put Jesus in the center of it. Amen? If you're struggling with your finances, put the Lord in. Start seeing things through God's eyes and honoring him with your finances. Amen? If your life is a mess, put Jesus in the center of it. Jesus is the answer for everything. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. It's Jesus, 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 and Jesus is better. Amen? He's better than the prophets. He's the express image of his glory. Notice what else it says there. He's up and upholding all things by the word of his power. Jesus is the sustainer of all life. Do you know that Jesus, you know, they say he's got the whole world in his hands. That's accurate. Can I get an amen? He holds the world together. Without Jesus holding it together, every atom would split, everything would fall apart, everything would explode. He holds it all together in the palm of his hand. And I love that it says that the universe fits there, and they keep finding out there's more and more galaxies and all. That just means our God's even greater than we thought. Can I get an amen? And he holds it all together. That's why I'm not worried about climate change. <laughs> if it's going to change, make it warmer. Can I get an Amen. I'm not worried about climate change. You know, the Bible says in the last days, men will worship creation rather than the creator. They're worried about the temperature when they ought to be worried about someplace a lot hotter if they don't get right with the Lord. Can I get an amen? And the reality is we've got this, we're so caught up in worshiping creation and we're, we're more worried about whales than we are babies. More worried about trees. My parents lived on a property, had all these redwood trees, we were cutting one down, and a bunch of people came to protest, and a lady was going to chain herself to the tree and crying out to the old tree, forgive us. I'm like, oh, no, the one who died on the tree can forgive you. <laughs> Amen? Tree won't forgive you. We don't worship the trees. We don't worship creation. I'm not worried. Good. Should we be good stewards of the earth? What's the answer? Absolutely. Should we be uh, righteous? A righteous man cares for his animals. Should we do that? What's the answer? All of that. Do all of that. Amen. But we don't worship any of that. We worship the Lord. Amen. 
He's the king of kings. He upholds everything. He's the sustainer of all life. By the power of his word, he holds all creation together. He holds all the atoms together. He lets go for one second, everything falls apart. No prophet, no cult leader ever held anything together. Jesus holds it all together. Amen? Are you starting to get the point that Jesus is better? What's going to hold your marriage together? Jesus. What's going to hold your family together? Jesus. What's going to help you in times of depression, anxiety, and fear? Jesus. Give your peace, give you peace in the midst of great difficulty? Jesus. See, we should be responding different right now than the rest of the world does because we have Jesus. Amen? And we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it says, Not only does he hold all things in the power of his hand, he holds all things together. Look what it says there. When he had by himself purged our sins. If you don't underline stuff in in your Bible, you should underline that. When he had by himself purged our sins. He left heaven, he came to earth and paid the price we could not pay. The word purge there means cleansing or washing. He cleansed us of guilt, of sin, by the sacrifice of by his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Jesus suffered as if he lived your life so you could be rewarded as if you lived his. What a great and awesome God we serve. He just trades places with us in a sense. He comes to earth and takes all of my sin, past, present, and future, all of your sin, all the sin of all mankind is placed upon him. He knows separation from the Father. He cries out, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Because he knows separation for the first time as all the sin of mankind is placed upon him. But you know what? He took your sin. He paid the price for your sin so you could be rewarded for the way that he lived his life. He, again, he suffered in my place so I could be rewarded for what he did for me. Notice by himself, he, he, we took no part in the work. Now look, do we all have an opportunity to accept or reject Jesus? What's the answer? The answer is yes. But do we get any of the credit for what Jesus did? What's the answer? No. He did it by himself. He took our sin on by himself. To him alone be all the glory. Amen. Not just the glory for our justification, but the glory for our sanctification until the day when we get the glory for our glorification. Justification, just as if I never sinned when you gave your life to Jesus. You're justified, now you're being sanctified. If we get the word saint, right? Set apart once. So we're being sanctified till the day we're glorified. But guys, Jesus gets the credit for our salvation, but he also gets the credit for our sanctification, which means any good in us, God gets all the glory. Amen? Any good thing we do, God gets all the glory. Any gift we may have, God gets all the glory. Amen? Without him, we can do nothing. And that word in original language means nothing. You can't do anything apart from him. The fact that we're able to go out and earn a living, to God be all the glory. The fact that you can study and retain knowledge, to God be all the glory. The fact that you have gifts that you have, to God be all the glory. He purged our sins. And I love that. He cleansed us. He washed it away, and again, to be seen no more. He separated our sin as far as the east is from the west. You know what's amazing is that one of the, one of the uh, sacrifices they made, they would come and they would, conf- they would slaughter one goat, and then they would confess over the other one. And then they would send that goat out into the wilderness. And they had people stationed at each place, making sure that goat kept going as far away till it was out of sight. And it would go from the east to the west. And it's called, it was called the scapegoat. It was the goat that took the, you know, the, the punishment that it, you know, for somebody else. But it was pointing to Jesus that he said he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. The Old Testament points to Jesus. Can I get an amen? And I love the Old Testament. It rocks. Come on Thursday nights. Turn off Netflix and get more Jesus. Can I get an Amen. So the day of atonement, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. He sprinkled blood on the mercy seat, but the sin was not paid for. It was just pushed forward toward the coming Messiah. And it was done year after year. The high priest, the work was never done. Do you know the high priest never sat down when he was in there? Why? Because the work was never done. Where's Jesus? He's doing what? 
He's seated at the right hand of the Father. You know why? Because it's done. Can I get an amen? There's no more work to be done. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. But it's been paid in full. The price has been paid. The, the shed blood of, of Jesus on the cross of Calvary paid it all. It's finished. Again, the Jews attempted to go back to the system that was never, ever finished. And they had to do it year by year, week by week, all the different sacrifices that needed to be made. And I love that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Again, by the way, there's no prophet, no cult leader sitting next to him. Amen? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So there's a world of difference between Jesus and the prophets. He's the creator. Uh, we are his inheritance. He's a reflection of God's glory. He's the express image of, of his person. He holds all things together. He cleanses us from our sins. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus is greater than the prophets. Colts all elevate prophets above him. When you talk to the Muslims, they'll say, oh yeah, but we had a new prophet. His name's Muhammad, prophet of the sword who raped young girls and went around with a sword and said, confess that you know, Allah is God and Muhammad is a prophet or we're gonna kill you. you know, Muhammad says, follow me or I'll kill you. Jesus says, follow me because I died for you. That's a little different. Can I get an amen? All the other false prophets that are out there, Joseph Smith, he wandered out in the wilderness. The guy, by the way, he wrote fairy tales before he wrote the Book of Mormon. I think he just kept in the same trade. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but he wrote fairy tales and he went out and saw this angel Moroni who gave him these golden plates that he somehow lost and he transcribed them and wrote a new book that contradicts the word of God over and over and over. So we know it is a false book. Can I get an amen? And so when the Mormons come to the door, we love them. We're kind. We're gracious. We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. We're no better than anybody else. We're just saved by grace. But, we, but at the same time, we need to make a stand for the truth when someone's trying to push, a lot, push, us, push off a lie on us. Amen? So that last point there, you see at the right hand of the majesty on high. So what's Jesus doing right now? What's he doing? He's interceding for you. The next time you're struggling, remember Jesus is praying for you. Amen? You know, as a pastor, I get a lot of calls to pray for you. I love to pray for you. Guess what? Jesus is always praying for you. Isn't that good? And he knows what to pray for you, even when you don't know. Can I get an amen to that? He might be praying stuff. You'd say, oh, no, no, no. No, he's praying because he knows what's best for you. Amen? What a great and awesome God we serve. All prophets after Christ needs to be tested in the light of his word. Anything else, anybody ever, you know why I want you to have a Bible in your lap and, and you millennials on your phone, but I want you to have the Bible. You know why? Because this is the authority, not the person standing behind this pulpit. Can I get an amen? This is the authority. And we need to, we need to study this so we can recognize when someone's teaching us something that doesn't, that contradicts the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Until someone can match Jesus' credentials, they got nothing to say as far as I'm concerned. Can I get an amen? So in closing, Jesus is greater than you think. He's greater than the prophets. Praise God for the prophets, amen? Praise God for him. And then we see a sevenfold description of our glorious Savior. He's the heir of all things. It all belongs to him. He's the creator of all things. He said light is and light was. He holds, he holds it all in the palm of his hands. He's a reflection of the Lord. He, he's the brightness of his glory. He's the express image of his glory. He upholds all things by the word of his power. By his word, he holds all things together. He himself purged our sins. Christ alone could pay for our sins. Christ alone would pay for our sins. And Christ alone did pray, pay for our sins. Apart from him, we would be lost, helpless, and hopeless and then finally, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. Let me close with this. The sacrifice under the law and the sacrifice of Christ, how are they different? The thing they wanted to go back to. The sacrifices remind people of sin. Jesus removed it. The sacrifices had to be re repeated over and over and over again. Jesus died on the cross once and for all. The sacrifices were looking forward to the one who was coming, and Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament sacrifices. The sacrifices under the law were just a shadow of what was to come, and Jesus is the substance, the one we've been waiting for. The sacrifices were the blood of animals. The sacrifice of Christ was the blood 
of our Savior. And the sacrifice of animals, the animals did not volunteer to be sacrificed. I guarantee they were dragged in, kicking and screaming. And the death of Jesus on the cross was voluntary. He did it because he loves you. Amen? So now we're going to go to a time of communion. And communion is, Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so what I want us to do right now is the elements come. We're going to pass them around. Um, take a few moments while the worship song team leads us in a song and just spend some time with the Lord. Here's the three things I always remind you. Look back. It says, often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So remember the cross of Calvary and his death on the cross, the greatest act of love in all of human history. But not only do we look back to the cross, but we look within. Lord, be there any wicked way in me? This should be a time of confession if necessary to get right before the Lord. There's a part of the Bible where it tells us if don't even, don't even leave an offering if you've got something against your brother. So maybe there needs to be a time of repentance as well. But not only do we look back to the cross and look within and examine our own hearts before God, but we look forward because Jesus told the disciples, the next time I, do, I take this, I'll take this with you in heaven. You know, we're gonna have communion in heaven with Jesus. How good is that? So as you hold the elements, just take a few moments, spend some time with the Lord. After the word, they're all passed out, I'll come back up here and we'll take the elements together. Okay.